Hey, this is Fireman Rob. You know, optimal performance isn't something that happens just by accident. I know this for a fact from being a fireman and doing way too many Ironman triathlons and full firefighter gear. But everybody always asks me, what's your secret? I can give you one secret. That's the right stuff, hydration. Hydration is important when it comes to being present in the moment, ready to run into the fires and being capable of showing up every single time at your best. The Right Stuff was created for NASA by NASA for their astronauts. Now it's trusted by professional athletes in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and most of the top tier college sports. It's not an accident to prepare yourself to be great. If you're looking for that next edge, go to therightstuff-usa.com and enter the code FIREMANROB and you'll get 10% off at your checkout. This is an opportunity I wouldn't pass up. I have and still do use The Right Stuff. It's serious hydration for serious athletes, from the weekend warriors to those on the front lines. Make this a part of your habits to be the best you daily. Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same blood, the same blood. Stay by your side, it's right or die. We've got the same All right, welcome back to Forged in the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob. Today's guest, I, I can't tell you. Um, you know, he lives right next door to me, so it's, uh, it's somebody who I talk to all the time. But when I read you his resume, you're going to think that he should live on a different street than on mine. Um, this gentleman has coached at Dayton. He's coached at Wisconsin. He is the current coach of the number one ranked Wisconsin Badger women's volleyball team. He's been Big Ten Coach of the Year twice, Volleyball Magazine, National Coach of the Year, Coach of the Year in the Atlantic 10. You know, this is like the LeBron James of volleyball coaching. Kelly Sheffield, thanks for being on the program today. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Have you have you shoveled your driveway yet today? <laughs> um, yes, and I, I did part of your sidewalk. <laughs> uh, I, I, I I appreciate that, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's so much fun to have you next door because it, we get to talk about so many different things. And, you know, one of the biggest things, you're on a top performing um, volleyball team, the number one in the country right now. And if you look at your coaching record, 461 and uh, 461 wins and 161 losses. That's incredible. But it wasn't always easy, the coaching styles. I know we had talked about this before. Tell me more about how your coaching career started. Well, I've never, I've never played a game of volleyball in my life. <laughs> but, um, but I was always a, a, a sports fan. Uh, I, you know, in in high school, I was a runner, and so I went, I went away for college for a year. And then when I came back, uh, I was our middle school cross-country coach at, at the school that I went to. And uh, <clears throat> um, 
just, you know, somehow found volleyball. Uh, and, you know, that was, uh, you know, the, 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 the good thing about it was, I was, I happened by happenstance to be probably one of the hotbeds of this sport uh, in the entire country, unbelievable coaches around. And so I was surrounded by people who could teach the game, who could um, break it down. Uh, A lot of some of the best coaches in the country were, um, were in this little tiny town of 70,000 Muncie, Indiana. And, um, (laughs) Uh, you know, and so I'm around, I'm getting an basically an Ivy League education and in coaching, uh, and I, I knew that it was really good that you know the the sport there. But you know, the further you go down the line, you're just realizing the mentors and and uh, you, you know the the wealth of knowledge that I was just getting from so many different people, and uh, that was what 19. 1989 and uh you know 30 plus years later you you know you kind of uh, you're open to learning and and getting some great opportunities along the way and uh, you know here we are year eight of wisconsin now that's crazy to think it's year eight of wisconsin and you're i don't know if you actually do you know that you're only one of only three head coaches to lead their team to the final match in their first season did you know that no yeah, nope. <laughs> you're 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 one of only three head coaches to lead their team to the final match of their first season in the NC2A and coaching. Um, I'm glad that I could actually give you that kind of information because that's huge. Coming into a program and being able to have the women in the program be able to trust you and at the same time play to that high level. What is it that kind of differentiates your coaching style from others to be able to get that optimization of each of those girls? It, I, I, you know, it's, it's been a, you know, it's been a journey of, of trying to figure out who I am, what, you know, I think, uh, you know, what type of coach you want to be, what type of mentor, what type of trainer, uh, you know, I, I was doing, you know, for seven years, it was junior high coaching junior high and, and, um, uh, uh, junior varsity and assistant varsity coaches, club coach, you know, at a, you know, four, 14 and under third team, you know, doing that for a couple of years. And then, then a 16 under under twos team and yep. working every single camp that I could possibly work anywhere. I mean, it was just, you know, sitting in, in gyms. And, and so, you know, you're just stealing stuff and, you know, and a lot of it wasn't just drills, but in systems, but it was how to communicate and um, uh, how to how to build teams. And there was so many errors along the way. And then when I got in the college game uh, in '97, uh, around a lot of different types of coaches uh, that were really successful and learning from them. Bill Walton at the University of Houston and Melissa Shelton at the University of Virginia. Uh, Jolene at um, at uh, uh, Clemson was there for a, a year, and uh, before I got my first head coaching job at Albany, and I, I get there at Albany, and we had seventeen players on the team. Our first year, we go four and twenty-four, and <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, and after the season, fourteen kids quit. You know, so we had a team of three. <laughs> and, oh, man. You know, but, 
but it was one of those scenarios, you know, uh, we were, we were, our RPI was 287 in the country out of 313 teams. And I thought we were overrated. There was no way in the world there was you know, 18 teams in the country better than us. It was, it was so bad. You know, it was, it was a, um, you know, two years before I got there, they were D- division two. So they were making the fast track from D3 to D2 to D1. And, uh, you know, the support and the scholarships and the, the talent and the commitment, none of those things had called up to being a D- division one program. So I got the job and I'm not sure. I think the reason why I got the job is because I was probably one of the only people that wanted it. And <laughs> it's, um, and w- what I liked about it was uh, I had, you know, it was kind of like a scientist, I guess. It, it, maybe that's the r- wrong way, but w- we have a phrase in our gym that learn like a scientist. So, you know, if you, you, there's going to be mistakes and that's all right. Learn from them and, and move forward. But I had I like an opportunity that. to do so much. I made so many mistakes, uh, so many mistakes at Albany. And. Um, it was a perfect place for me because nobody knew anything. I mean, the, our first match there, we we had thirteen fans, and almost <laughs> all of them were one player's family, and so that nobody paid attention to us. Or, you know, it, not even the administration. Fans didn't go n- nothing, and so I'm making all kinds of mistakes, and uh, and learning and having a, a yeah. great great time. And, uh, and so, you know, I was there for seven years and then go to, to Dayton for five years, which is a, a really good program, you know, top 25 type of program, good commitment. But then time I get to Wisconsin, you know, this had been a program that had kind of been struggling for a few years, but they had a lot of talent. Right. Um, they'd finished 10th in the Big Ten the year before we got here. And I'd had a staff that I'd been around for a few years and we came in. So we knew each other and the team was just hungry. You know, there was talent. We had a really good freshman class coming in. Lauren Carlini, who was, you know, high school national player of the year, um, was coming in as well. Pete Waite left me a lot of talent. Um, They just had to be motivated and move in the same direction. And they were just they, they wanted to win. And so we came in and and uh, gave us some structure and uh you know, we just got momentum. And as we got momentum, we just kept getting better and better and better. And the one thing that, uh, that always, you know, um, with coaches, you have to have that kind of forgetful, fee- that forgetful memory, but also have that immediate growth. All those times in Albany when you were, when you were messing up, how, do you, how did you get past not kicking yourself? Because I think a lot of people who are leaders out there, they think of, oh, I failed and I failed all these people. And then it just goes down this bunny hole of, I can't, how do I get out of this? How did you kind of progress yourself at, at a pace? Because you would have a game probably that, what, two or three days afterwards. And then you had to adjust to that. How did you do that? Our first year was so bad. Number one, I didn't have any other staff around me. It was me. I mean, it was just, it was me. It's, uh, you know, I, I remember our first home match and the visiting team shows up and I'm wearing a suit. You know, that's how I used to coach was in a full suit. And I'm on the floor and I'm scrubbing the, the pull pads and visiting team walks in. The coach walks in and he goes, what are you doing? And he goes, and I said, if not me, then nobody does it. 
You know, I, I, oh, wow. I you know, yeah. I swept, I swept our gym floors. I'm, you know, I went down and, and renovated our locker room, you know, painted it and all kinds of stuff. It was just, there wasn't anybody else. You know, I was the strength coach. I was the, you know, everything. <laughs> and, um, uh, but then, uh, well, my, uh, Kathy, my current wife, uh, yep. she was, uh, she came over to actually to be my assistant for a grand total of $4,000. And, um, <laughs> so, so she's there, you know, she's taken a year off before she went to pharmacy school. And, and so we had a rule that first year, uh, just, we we're going to look for anything to celebrate anything. And so if we had a win, you know, which didn't happen very often, we're, we're done for the night. I wasn't going to go back and break down film or anything. If we got a recruit, Boom. All right. Let's, let's go grab a, a beer somewhere. <laughs> you know, my, my, minor victories. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what, what one, one day we're, we're like, uh, we, we got a commitment at 10 in the morning and we just look at each other. And it's like, well, Day's we can't over. Go now, man. <laughs> so, so, let's, let's just keep, we, we got to keep working. It's just, we, we can't do that. And, but that first year, there were so many things to beat us down is that we were constantly looking for um, things to celebrate. And, and that was totally different in year two. But in year one, I, it, we just needed, you know, the team, uh, us, to just feel good about some things. Um, that was a uh, – and then we – but then it became – the following year we got to 16 and 15 – and the next, the oh, wow. next year we went 20, the next year we went 24, the next year we went 27. And so we went, um, uh, six years in a row. We were one of two programs in the country to improve our RPI six years in a row. And we got it as high as 40th in the country from 287. And so yeah, those were things that we were able, that's what we got caught up on. So it wasn't things we weren't doing. It was, believing in the direction that we are heading. And so when we were commu communicating to recruits, when we were communicating to the team, when we were com communicating to um, um, my bosses, the people that made the decisions on where the, you know, how much scholarships money we we're going to get and so on and so forth, we're able to sell momentum. And that I think gave us a little bit of credibility of when we were saying, this is what we're trying to do. That's, well, here you you follow this line of where we're where we're moving. Uh, it, we're able to connect the dots. People are able to believe in it. I, I love that, and I I think the biggest thing, and it's, and it's interesting because I think a lot of people watch college sports and they just they see the coach there and they see the players playing, and you know the understanding of the complexities of a college athlete is not there. And you have to deal with all those complexities from the education to the emotions to the, you know, these, these are actually, you know, 18, 19 teenagers growing up in this microcosm of sports. And, you know, at Wisconsin, you've created them into the, you know, number one team in the country. So how do you help these teenagers to understand the, the perspective that it, it's a game and that you got to go out there and do everything that you can, but it all correlates to their lives down the road. To, to me, that is the most enjoyable part is making that connection. You know, I, I, 
it's we're teaching life skills through sports. Uh, if it was just about volleyball, if it was just about the game, uh, I'd be, I don't know if I'd be bored with it, but it would just lack any depth. And so right. we're constantly trying to make these connections. You know, we, I just got out of practice an hour ago and we were talking about, um, you know, we had some people that were kind of struggling a little bit and so we talked about, responding how do we respond and it's just not about in a practice or in a match it's about life you know there's going to be times that things are going to be tough that things aren't going your way and here in our program we're going to respond with strength and unity and so we're constantly trying to make those connections to how this is going to play out uh down the road and obviously in the year of covid you know there's that constant constant reminder all the time but one of the things we, you know, when we're going through recruiting, we give it to people straight. You know, we don't give them a bunch of BS or anything. It's just here. This is who we are and what we're going to be about. And and, um, and then when they get on campus, uh, very before we even have our first practice, we're sitting there and we have a, you know, a meeting that lasts a few hours and we're going over our championship manual that spells everything out of how we're going to go about things, how we're going to go about things academically, how we're going to do things with our, the community and community service, how we, uh, we're supposed to act and carry ourselves, how we're supposed to respond to one another. Um, uh, we, we try to leave nothing in the gray. I love that. And then, uh, you know, from, from that perspective, you kind of take it to the next level of, okay, so you have these individuals who you're sculpting. You get to the national championship game. You, you you were the runner up in thirteen and nineteen. How do you you know you get to that pinnacle? How do you help them the next day after a failure that uh, you know a lot of people would see as a failure? I always see it as a growth, but a lot of people at that age would see it as a f- huge failure. How do you help them to say, "Hey, tomorrow is the next day that we start to get to that championship again." See the um, on 2013. I don't think any, but it, we were kind of like it was like Rocky, you know, <laughs> you, you, twelve you, seed. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was a um, you know for they hadn't made the NCAA tournament for for five years in a row and finished either ninth or tenth in the Big Ten for five straight years back when the Big Ten was 12 teams. So there was, you know, uh, the year before, I think it was tied for 10th. So there's like one team in the Big Ten behind. Right. So um, we get in and, you know, it's – we just – we keep getting better and better. It's the only team I've ever worked with, that 2013 team, that every week they were better than the previous week. I mean, it was just – there was never a step backwards. But, you know, we – we had a huge win in the semifinals against University of Texas, who was the defending national champions and returned all of their players except for one. And they were the number one seed. They were the overwhelming favorites. And we came in there and just smacked them around and played really well. Um, and then we're playing Penn State for the finals. And we're two points away from sending it to a fifth set. And they ended up closing it out in four and, um, but it wasn't a sense of failure. There's people, people were really bummed that we had the opportunity right. to, to win the program's first national championship that, you know, it wasn't happiness in the locker room. 
but I think there was also an appreciation for what they did because there, when we came in there, there was a lot of sacrifices that mm-hmm. we asked them to make. And, uh, and there were people that weren't sure they were capable of doing that. I mean, we really tried to raise the bar and I think there was a, you know, a realization that man, we, we made sacrifices and it really paid off. And I think they were proud of themselves of what they were able to do. And, uh, but yeah, we certainly, uh, you know, when the time was appropriate, we broke down that championship match and, and we got back to work, it, you know, it's just here. These, there's some good things, but there's ways that we've got to continue to get better. And that's all we talk about. We, it's, it's, it's this constant search for trying to be better. And it doesn't matter if we win or we lose. It is just this, we're just hammering away all the time. It's this drive, this hunger to just always get better. And it doesn't matter if we go to the final four, if we win a big 10 championship or, you know, we lose four matches in a row. It's just constant. Let's just, let's try to find ways to get better. You know, last year we make it or our last season, we make it to the final four, but at one point in the season, we're four and four, you know, we'd lose four matches in a row going into the big 10. But my talk with them going into big 10 is, Hey, we're, we're zero and zero. We've got to get better. And I said, guys, guess what? I'd be saying the exact same thing if we were eight and zero, zero and eight, yeah. or the four and four that we're right now. And so we've just got to put our minds into getting better, and and it'll it'll end up working out if we're able to focus that way. Uh, I, I love that philosophy because it's it, it's interesting when you when you look at a lot of the athletes that you've had, you know, go on and play afterwards. And then do you have a lot of um, your athletes come back and do you get to see what kind of uh, career fields they went in, the success that they've went into? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of them. The, uh, um, you know, last week we, you know, we opened up our, our season finally against Purdue and I probably, the 24 hours leading up to that first match, I probably heard from at least a dozen Wisconsin former players. That doesn't even include, you know, the kid from the other schools. I mean, yeah, the, the uh, you know, the, they're, it's one of the things that really gives you a lot of joy is seeing them move, whether it's playing professionally or getting into their their life after volleyball, you know, or with their families. It's it is such a source of, of joy, especially those that have really, really uh, traveled a long distance and, and uh, um, self-improvement, I guess, or just their maturity. I mean, that's – we start recruiting these guys when they're about 14 years old, you know, and they get on <laughs> campus when yeah. they're 17 or 18, and then they leave here when they're 22 or whatever. And, uh, um, and so you're really a part of – their lives and their families' lives, and you really get to see them in a, over a long period of time. You know, in some cases, a decade, <laughs> right? Uh, oh, yeah, of growth before they even get out. So there's there's just so much joy in in seeing them soar. So, so when you have these high performers, and this is always that that great question that a lot of people ask is when you have high performers coming into a like team, we've seen it in the NBA. We've seen it in, uh, you know, pro football. 
all over. Now you put it in a college environment like your team this year. You've got some high performers. How do you get them all to buy into the the team concept? How do you get them to buy into the being a Wisconsin Badger and not just themselves? Well, I I think if you're being true to yourself during the recruiting process, the recruiting process can last for a little bit. And there's a lot of conversations and people come on campus and they're around the team. And if everybody's true to themselves, when you go from school to school, it just screams at you what, uh, what each program is about. Um, you know, this is kind of a, uh, you know, we consider ourselves a blue collar program. You know, there's uh, people that fit in here. It, the, it, we believe in outworking people. And right. if you're going to outwork people, day in, weekend, month on ends, years on ends, if you're going to outwork people for long periods of time, uh, there better be a lot of passion that you have for the sport. If, if you kind of right. like it, yeah. you're not going to laugh. You know? <laughs> and so, it, it, you know, in everything that you do, there's, there's passion behind it when, yeah. when you're putting the work in. And, uh, our, we don't hide when, when players, when recruits come in and, and see the place and they watch us, we don't hide the hard from them. I mean, they see Love that. the hard. And if, if I, if my team's not going about things and I got to jump on them in practice and the recruits there, I don't care. It's, uh, you know, if, if they don't want any part of that, then they'll go somewhere else. So we have people that they see what the reality is here and you either want it or you don't. And that's fine. You know, we don't try to, to do a lot of, you know, bending over backwards, convincing people, uh, you know, I I don't want to sell them on this. It's just, I want to show them, uh, that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. And, and you can see it on the, on the court. I mean, the, the effort that they give and the consistency and you are calm on the court. That is not something I, I I've never been calm on in coaching, and you know my dad was a was a very animated coach. How do you re- remain reserved in those moments? You know, you have two points. It, it's it's twenty three twenty three. They have the serve. You've got to get it done. Just made a mistake by a uh, you know a, a fault on a serve or whatever. How do you remain calm to make sure that they stay calm and and go for the victory? Uh, earlier in my career, I was probably the least calm person you know. <laughs> I mean, what, m- my example of coaching growing up was was Bobby Knight and, yeah. and Gene Cady. You know, I mean, that, that's, you know, Indiana guy. I mean, that's who you are. Yeah. There was plenty of times that I was just an insane um, – crackpot out there i mean it just it was it was out of absolutely out of control and that's where i was talking about maybe some of my earlier years i was fortunate to be in places where nobody watched nobody cared (laughs) uh, because i was just an idiot and um but then there becomes a time that you start it, it um for me anyways is just this journey of how can i be better and it's it's a question i'm asking myself all the i mean every day all the time um, and what I know is, is that what I've learned is that I can't be a barrier for my team during competition and practices. Sure. I can be, but in matches, um, I either need to be out of the way or I need to be on their side. 
Oh, and wow. if they've got to beat the opponent and they've got to beat me, then we've got problems. If I'm a distraction, then it's not going to bring out the best in them. And so it's a uh, – and then the other thing is when you're in the Big Ten, uh, the, the coaching in this league is so unbelievable. If I'm just reacting to everything, then I'm not, sit, then I'm not helping my team. I'm not – you know, because the other coaches are, are – you know, they're two steps ahead or whatever. And right. So – if I don't have a clear mind and I don't uh, try to make this, you know, and then just watching some of the best coaches in, in other sports uh, or not even in coaching uh, other professions, uh, you, you don't see the elite people that are just uh, insane and unpredictable. I mean, the, they right. are, yeah, they are methodical, they're thinking and, and, uh, and they're, and they're ready to, to to move and maneuver, make good decisions that aren't based on emotion. And so that's taken me a long, it's, it continues to be a work in progress to tell you the truth for me. I, I love it. Well, Kelly, I appreciate you coming on today. You know, uh, I always end with three same questions for everybody. Um, I didn't give them to you before. I could probably throw them out the window and you could read them, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, instead I'll ask them to you. So the All first right. question is, is, if um, what would be one suggestion, one big suggestion or advice that you would tell to your 18 year old self? Oh man. Um, God. I, I was, I, I was the biggest idiot on the planet. <laughs> My Do God. you need more than one thing? <laughs> it, it, it would be more than one thing. It'd be a book. And then I'd say, you know, you know, and it'd have to be small words so I could understand it. Back then. <laughs> God. It's, um, you, you know, I, I, I think, man, it's, you continue always look for opportunities to learn keep your mouth shut and listen use your ears more than your mouth and I love that that can be a challenge for anybody that was a real challenge for me probably still is anybody that's still listening to this podcast i mean it's just, <laughs> you, know, just you know i my mouth can get in the way sometimes and i every year i try to be a better listener uh, I don't care how good I get at being a at being a, a good listener. It's always going to be right up there at the top. So that'd probably be something I'd, I'd probably be screaming at my younger self. I, I love that. I I need that too right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here, here's the second question. A lot of people are going through challenging times and a lot of people are, are struggling and yeah, what are two like daily habits? It can be habits that you start in the morning or in the evening. What would be two daily habits that you'd suggest that people incorporate into their life to start living forward? You know, uh, G- General Mc- McRaven says, uh, uh, start your day by making your bed. Because if that's it, yes. if you've done nothing else all day long, then at least you've done that. And so you've accomplished something to start your day. So uh, I love <laughs> I that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's that uh you know obviously the exercising part is is important it's you know one of the things that i've tried to do that i wasn't i i did not take priority when i was younger but of finding moments in the day where i can just be still and, yeah and un, 
unplug from, you know, one of the things we talk to our team about unplug from technology, plug into people and, uh, or plug into yourself of just going on a walk or having, you know, just staying off the phone, staying off the computer, uh, just being alone with your own thoughts, take deep breaths and things. Those are some things I've tried. I I've really, it's, it's been huge, hugely beneficial to me. I, I love that suggestions because that's the one big thing. I, I love being in that moment and just stop, you know, uh, especially with the environments that we're in right now. So this last question yeah. is always fun because we get so many different answers in this question. So if you could pick three people, three people to have coffee with, they can be living or deceased and it's at a firehouse table. So that means that any question is not off the oh, table. Yeah. You can ask anything. So who would those three people be and why? Man, it really would have been helpful to have that question ahead of time. So, hey, I, I like making uh, the coach sweat a little. Yeah. <laughs> man, man, oh, man. Oh, I know. It's, I like people I like people that can have range in their ability. You know, uh, it, it's not just about one subject. You know, yeah. if, if I'm trying to learn something myself, I'd probably find an expert on something. Yeah. Um, but, but people that have been around a lot of different people, um, and be able to tell some stories I think would be fascinating. Uh, I don't know. One of them, a guy that just passed away, I think Larry King would be. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, the stories that he, and the people he has met and he is a great storyteller. So I, I think Larry King might be up there off the top of my head. Um, and he drinks a lot of coffee. So you're golden. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Um, I think you would be, and then uh, I like being entertained. Um, another one off the top of my head that I think that that might be, man, goodness. Uh, I don't, maybe Muhammad Ali. (laughs) I I like it. That might have some really, really good, uh, good discussion there uh that that could be really uh he's he's got it you know him or or like uh uh kareem abdul jabbar one of those guys it just you know there's just yes so, so much there that I, i'd want to unpack uh my third person oh my goodness um you got a good table man, so far man yeah it's um uh my goodness. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's, I, I'll tell you what, for, for a, uh, um, for a firehouse, it's too male dominant right now. I've got to find somebody in there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, it's, uh, uh who, who would that be? Um, oh my goodness. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, hmm. It's maybe, tough. maybe somebody who's a maybe somebody who's a rocker or something. Somebody that's a uh, you know rock star or something. Joplin or or Janet Jackson. That is, that is exactly who I was thinking of. With Janet there you Donald. go. That's exactly <laughs> who I was thinking of. And uh, be, because what would be really interesting about about like her, or say like John Lennon or Paul McCartney, or uh, uh, and having um. Muhammad Ali or 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 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If you had Larry King there, 
he would oh, know yeah. exactly the questions and how to pull the right <laughs> stuff out. And so I would just be sitting back here on on a, uh, you know, with my feet up, you know, with the, you know, eating the chili that you guys are, are probably well, legendary for making. There you and go. Just having the time of my life. See, this is how coaches work. They delegate. You got an yeah, interviewer to be on your coffee talk. <laughs> I tried, man. That was genius. That was genius. Well, hey, Kelly, I appreciate you coming on the show today, and, and best sure. of luck this season. I think uh, you start number one, you end number one. That's how it's going to go. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.